and welcome to another episode of Consumer, last one actually of the year, uh, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. I'm your host, Bill Words, on a special roundtable discussion this uh, this week. This is the episode of December 22nd, 2022. And again, as a reminder, last one of the year. Um, thank you so much for all the listeners who've been tuning in. As always, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so by going on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate, where you can donate in both fiat and crypto, uh, if, if that is your choice. And I already know someone who uh, will look at me uh, very skeptically for saying crypto, because there's quite a difference here. And we have a special guest this week. It's Nico Yilch. You've heard him on the podcast before. He, uh, uh, he communicates on all things finance and prices, which is perfect because... Um, uh, we're talking about prices this week. And so, uh, Nico, because you are our special guest, uh, even though, first of all, let me just introduce who you're going to hear in the podcast uh, uh, this episode. We have David Clement, North American Affairs Manager at the Consumer Choice Center, Liz Hicks, a U.S. Affairs Analyst at the CCC, and Zoltan Case, who I recently only learned how to pronounce his name uh, correctly, um, just in case, uh, who uh, is Government Affairs Manager at the Consumer Choice Center. So, first off, Nico, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you said uh, uh, before, and none of this is censored, by the way, we don't bleep anything. You said uh, there's some bullshit uh, uh, in Austria you can talk about. So uh, when we talk about prices and inflation, what bullshit is going on in Austria? Okay, for, first of all, hi, Bill. Thank you for having me. Um, it's it's nice to do a podcast in person. We're really sitting here in, in one room. It's not it's not what, what is done these days, but we're doing it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever been on a on a podcast with with more than like three people. So so that's also a, a first for me. It's like inflation, right? Like lots of people on podcasts. <laughs> Pod, podcast guest inflation. Um, yeah, I think there were many questions because first you started off with the with the with the crypto and the Bitcoin thing, and now and now um, we're in Austria. Well, we're sitting in Austria. We can say this, right? This yes, is we're, this we are in is, Vienna. We are in neutral ground, right? Not a NATO country. Um, <laughs> And it's where, it's where the spies go, right? So, yeah, I mean, Austria is is, is is having inflation problems just as as every European country, especially every Western Europe. Well, it's not even Western European, you know. The Baltics are even worse. Um, we have, we've had uh, double-digit inflation for the first time in my lifetime, um, almost for the first time in my parents' lifetime. Um, there, Of course, there was the 70s, and, and uh, it, things were pretty similar back then, I guess, for a while. And, and now, of course... What I see, and that's what I meant with some bullshit going on, um, th there's a very interesting um, phenomenon right now in politics in general and in Europe and in Austria specifically. Uh, so, so we are used to, to, to solve problems with money now. Why do we have high inflation in, in Austria? Because we, we try to solve um, COVID with, with, with money. And, and everybody got lot, lots of money. Not me. I mean, I hear from everybody else. So, there's, so, so everybody knows somebody who has like bought a second uh, vacation home in uh, Tenerife uh, because they got so much money for their restaurant, their hotel or whatever. And, and of course, this money is now is now hitting the street, you know, um, with the prices, with the price shocks coming from from the energy market. Um, this money is hitting the street. And then we see something um, that's even more concerning is that, that the politicians, they're not stopping here. So now the, for the first time, I think yesterday for the first time, the, the, the like the mainstream economists for the first time said, ah, Maybe we should stop with all the money presents to everybody because that's actually not how you fight inflation. Oh wow, what a what a discovery there! Uh, it is. I mean, I, I I tweeted something like "No shit, Sherlock," uh, but but it's <laughs> it's. I mean, if I was a politician, I would do the same. By the way, I mean, and that, this is why I know this is going to this is going not it's not going to end well because I, my personal. Um, 
um, um, expectation for the next years is going to be that like, whenever we have an election, we're going to talk about how much money do I actually get from you, uh, up to the point where they, put, where they like, print it on posters, where they have like, if you vote for me, you get 20,000 euros, or if you vote for me, you get 25,000 euros. Well, who are you going to vote for if there's a 5,000 euro difference, right? Um, so, and, and this is going to be inflationary. So, so I'm, I'm, um, I, I, I like the idea or the idea. I like the explanation that Russell Napier, the, the, the British historian has for this. He says the governments are taking over the central banks are actually on the defense. They are trying to, 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 to fight inflation with higher rates. Um, but the governments are just, you know, undermining them by giving out credit guarantees. We're doing this in Austria as well. Um, and credit guarantees are perfect because they don't, um, you know, they, they don't go on your on the balance sheet of your country. So the the, the ratings agencies are not going to say, uh, not going to to to, to, to lower your rating. Um, and and and, and the, the the politicians will find many ways to to give people money, which is just, um, and this maybe this ties into the whole crypto Bitcoin thing. It is what you would expect at the in the end phase of uh, a, a fiat monetary system. You would expect that, you know, more inflation. Um, and you would also expect things to happen like we see with FTX and crypto. Um, and I, I personally would, would, you know, differentiate between crypto and Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is actually, could really be an answer to the problem, while the rest of crypto is just a symptom of the problem. Well, you actually call it an end phase to... To fiat currency? Sounds like the fall of Rome. Yeah. Something like, like that. Something like that. Well, because, I mean, I mean, when, when we look at the prices right now, I mean, it, it's crazy what's going on. I mean, no, you, you, you in Canada, uh, I mean, the housing prices, you, you, you talk about that quite a bit. Yeah. Still, I mean, it's, 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 it's almost impossible to, to own property. Yeah, basically, the, your average person of, like, our demographic, um, in, in order to buy the median house, uh, would have to have a salary of around 180,000 and save for approximately 17 working years in order to be able to afford the down payment on the home. Wait, is that Canadian or US? Canadian. That's Canadian. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the okay. median house in the greater Toronto area is like $1.1 million. Wow. Um, so you're talking like attached townhomes. Um, that go for over a million dollars. And what makes all of this even crazier is rates are increasing, rate hikes from the Bank of Canada are increasing, increasing mortgage payments because a lot of people were on variable rate mortgages where their mortgage payments would fluctuate. Mm. Um, so you have people who bought a million dollar home uh, at let's say 1.6. And now they're sitting at 5.6 and their mortgage payments, despite the fact that their salary hasn't changed, has gone from 3,500 Canadian a month to 6,800 Canadian a month. Um, and so you, there's just like this, it feels very much like a house of cards that's just waiting for the first pin to be pulled and it just dissolves. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I mean, what's the career path for young people? Is it waiting for an inheritance or something? I mean, uh, it yeah, seems the, to be... The, the bank of mom and dad is how most people afford their down payment because per Canadian rules and regulations, any any home over a million dollars, you legally have to put 200000 down. Um, and so who, what 28-year-old has $200,000 yeah. in savings? The ones who sold Luna at the right time. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll get we'll get to some of that, uh, Liz. Uh, 
the United States government has reacted to all these price increases, but with a beautiful piece of legislation, which apparently is not as popular in Europe as we heard uh, in one of the sessions we did today uh, at, at our staff retreat. But uh, uh, any thoughts on the Inflation Reduction Act? Because, I mean, so many things were promised, and now yeah. it's through, and now it's supposed to be working. Uh, what's going on? It's, you know, it's just classic U.S. government. It's supposed to be working. It's not, unfortunately. Of course, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. However, it is pretty much the antithesis of actually reducing inflation. And like you said, yeah, it's uh, angering a lot of our, our friends in the EU and, and elsewhere abroad, which is really problematic. So there's been a lot of promises made within this uh, legislation itself. A lot of it is surrounding um, like green energy and things like that, especially in regards to electric vehicles. So the issue, especially in regards to our, our friends abroad, is we're doling out here in the U.S. a bunch of tax credits for electric vehicles. So if you buy a used electric vehicle, you can get um, $4,000 U.S. dollars reimbursed, and then for a, um, a brand new one, you get $7,500 reimbursed. This is only for uh, electric vehicles that are made in North America, though. So mm-hmm. it is undermining right. the uh, you know a lot of these companies in Europe and elsewhere, which is really problematic. That's where Macron is upset, yeah. right? And yeah. it's one of the few good things the Trudeau government has done is they lobbied aggressively so that it wasn't by American, and then our our cars count um, in that. I mean, the tax credit thing is hilarious because it's just welfare for rich people. Yep. We call them boutique credits. Yeah. Because, I mean, who buys an electric car, right? I mean, if you if you need to go long distance on the countryside, it's actually not a very good option. Um, but, I yeah. mean, it depends on, depends on the, the charging infrastructure. I know that right. in Europe, like the Netherlands has the, the best one, and Luxembourg mm-hmm. is also very high up. But depending, I mean, who buys an electric? I mean, what, what about electric cars in, in Hungary? I mean, is that, what's it? In, in Hungary, electric bicycles are subsidized. But still, electric bicycles are the ones bought by the upper middle class or even people higher. I just wanted to reflect on, Nico, what you said in connection with... Uh, being a politician, you would do the same thing as like handing out money, promising some money to the electors. The Hungarian government was much smarter in this respect. Before last, I mean, this year's April election, they thought that, well, if we promise money, people won't believe us how much money we're going to give them after the election. Let's hand out money before the election. So every single household received a lot of money, including my household. We received a lot of money from, I like to say European Union uh, taxpayers' money, so not Hungarian taxpayers' money. So, so this, was, this was one of the things the Hungarian government introduced uh, in February, so two, two, two months before the election. The other one was price caps. We see the... Uh, implications right now. So we see the problems now, we see shortages in Hungary right now, we see, you mentioned double-digit inflation, we see a double-digit inflation 22.5% right now. If you look at like prices of especially food products, we see even higher uh, uh, percentages. And you, and you saw in person what the price caps have like, sort of caused as a, as, a, as a result. They've been they've been scrapped on some items now, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, just, just recently, Price caps on fuel disappeared because of the obvious fact that we couldn't fill up our cars. So it happened to me several times during the past couple of weeks that I had to circle around the city, or city of 60,000, to find a petrol station where I could find a, a, a station where you know, I could buy 95 octane uh, gasoline. So that was difficult. The other thing, so it was crapped. The other thing, we have price caps on eggs, uh, potatoes, uh, milk, uh, some basic food products. And you see shortages everywhere. Well, you see empty shelves uh, in supermarkets. So, so we see the, the, the real uh, consequences of price caps and handouts. 
Right. I mean, it, it reminds us of the time uh, with, uh, with with when COVID started. I, I couldn't get eggs in Luxembourg at that point. But so that's more of a supply chain issue then. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have the same problem where you couldn't buy flour because everyone decided to yes. become an at-home baker? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, a lot of, lot of at-home stuff started, which like, I, I wonder how much toilet paper pe people have left over as well, by the way, from like trying to stockpile on that stuff. Um, when you decided to try and make sourdough bread, that was really popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, remember that one. So uh, everybody's uh, trying to find out uh, what is the hedge against inflation. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in Turkey. Uh, in Turkey, everybody buys gold, uh, gets as much as much gold as you can, which is actually very interesting because Turkey is a, uh, to a wedding, for instance, you actually bring gold. Uh, you don't bring any, you don't buy any wedding gifts, you, you buy gold, which I think is a very smart thing to do. Um, Peter Schiff is just so excited right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Peter Schiff is listening. Um, but uh, it, it's, I mean, of course, a lot of people uh, try and, and do that by uh, uh, buying uh, Bitcoin. And so uh, some of them have been disappointed recently, Nico, and this is where I want to get you in, uh, because uh, they put their money on exchanges and now it's all gone, or maybe uh, maybe gone for just a, a few years when the bankruptcy filings go through. How much damage yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. This, <laughs> how much damage has this done to uh, something that you are very enthusiastic about? Because even though you do draw the distinction between, you know, ho like being the owner of your own uh, uh, coins, but... Um, what, 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 what's happened to the, to, the, to the sphere at large here? Well, I mean, you can't draw this the distinction and saying there is Bitcoin and there are shit coins without, you know, um, you know, facing the consequences. And the consequences are um, it's all going to burn down. Every single one of them, including Ethereum, is going to go to zero. They are going to disappear. This is just part of the development that we're seeing right now. Um, and it's not surprising that that you see you, you see these projects um, coming up in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a low interest environment. I was I was you know the the I'm always like it's mean to laugh now, but you talked about you know people getting variable interest rates in a zero interest rate environment. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but it's not even their fault. I mean, people don't have like the financial literacy to do this, right? It's the bank's fault. The banks want know that they can make more money if they give them the variable uh, interest rate. Well, yeah, and the whole industry was kind of built on. This is the thing that eh, I'm not one of those people who gripes about central bankers um, all the time. But our the, the head of the Bank of Canada in July of 2020 said, you can rest assured that interest rates are going to stay low for a very long time. And then fast forward two years, and they've skyrocketed, and now people are losing their homes, and they can't afford to make their mortgage payments. You see distress sales. And coming back to crypto, maybe, because it is, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see how much, how much time and energy and, and how much media coverage goes into this right now. I mean, it's not that interesting, because Sam Bankman-Fried is probably like in... In numbers, she's going to be the biggest, the biggest fraud in U.S. financial history. Uh, maybe not. I mean, how big was Madoff? In I think that was like forty billion, even. And right? one coin, right? Yeah, but we don't count it. one coin. It's, uh, it was Eastern European thing. Things happen in Eastern Europe. You know, <laughs> it's like we, we don't, we <laughs> don't. This, this is not. This is not. This is not. This is not uh, like part of U.S. financial history, right? Um, but with with Sam Bankman-Fried and and the whole FTX debacle. Um, this is going to go down in history, and 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 it's interesting to see that they they arrested him now because they, he gets he got such um, preferential treatment in the media and even by the politics. I mean, 
maybe they just played him really you know maybe they 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 they, they thought if we if we act like he's gonna get away with it he'll just um you know go on podcasts and um talk himself into 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 prison which he probably which he might have done also i think i think also like organizations such as the fbi need a lot of time to gather evidence and if they take him early then and if you had a good lawyer then you know there's a risk of actually losing out on the opportunity to actually nail them down on something because there's a lot of documents to go through i'm pretty sure there's a lot of work of there. course and then, and then there's of course like the, the 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 scary subplot that if if the u.s really wants to arrest you anywhere in the world they can do it they are not <laughs> it's not like you're you're gonna be i mean yes you can you can probably go to russia if you if you get protection by the state probably you know um like snowden did right mm. um but but that's about it right i mean uh, so um how do we get this? So, so crypto and Bitcoin. I think I think that um, from a Bitcoin perspective, with this has been under the surface, this has been brewing for a while, and now like the distinction comes out into the open because for everything that happened right now, the Bitcoiners have an answer. You know, why did you go there in the first place to buy sushi swap? Why do you buy sushi swap? Because I can get yield on some bullshit. You know, why would you do that on FTX? Because they give me the best, uh, the best yield or the best rates or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and why did you leave them there? Because I trusted them, right? That's like, that's the, the, the core thing. So no, you don't trust them, and you 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 take you take your money off, and we're seeing the same thing with Binance now. This is basically like like on a on a purely economics point of view, what you're seeing right now is is a classic, like say let's call it credit crunch. You know, money is is is, is getting more expensive, money is getting pulled out, and then you have a real like an act. This is a bank run. We're seeing a bank run right now. We're seeing a bank run by anybody who owns Bitcoin on the crypto exchanges taking out the Bitcoin. And yesterday, for example, when when the Binance when the Binance problems um, that are, I mean, you know, Binance was involved into the whole FTX debacle, um, not not personally, but like they they helped blow it up. So there was always going to be you know um, an answer, and we're seeing the answer right now with 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 problems uh, with, with about Binance. But Bitcoin actually spiked yesterday, so they, it went up like three, four percent um, on one day uh, because people, you know, at some point there is no other way that to, to flee than into Bitcoin anymore within the whole crypto space. Mm. And so, okay, so I, I take it from you then, then uh, that you think that Bitcoin will will ultimately in the long term not be affected uh, uh, by this uh, because it's a, it's the problem of exchanges. Because I mean, the people also lost. I mean, Bitcoin technically by having them on on, on places like FTX, right? And well, technically so, not. Te technically, and this is important to know. Technically, FTX just it, like like they played them, right? You had a Bitcoin balance, but the FTX never owned any Bitcoin. They they, they had like one or like right. zero, they had zero Bitcoin basically, right? So so they said like we have Bitcoin equivalents, like we can buy the Bitcoin if you really want to, you know, mm -hmm. for you. But they did. So technically, people thought they had Bitcoin and they lost the thought, but they never actually owned any Bitcoin. I find that, I find that fascinating because I, I got caught with an exchange and I, and I am willing to admit that in front of you uh, with, with the, the, the German one, Nuri. Uh, but oh, actually, yeah. Nuri offered a, um, a private wallet through uh, them as well, which is what I did ultimately and which is why it didn't affect me in the end. But you got, uh, uh, but you, you put, so you, you, you got your money out of there before they collapsed or... Oh, well, think, they had already collapsed, but I had, I had, a, you still got a key yeah. through, uh, through their exchange. So some exchanges also do offer uh, a, a private wallet. I mean, which is how interesting? How hard is it to 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 run a cryptocurrency exchange? Um, I mean, probably it's very hard, but but it can't be that hard to run it profitably. 
It's just that some people are crooks. And there's, in, especially in the crypto space, there's so many like highly intelligent people who will scam you. They could totally do like, just tell you about Bitcoin and it's fine, but they want more and more and more. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the greed, right? Um, and with Nuri, I mean, there is a difference between FTX and Binance who are basically not regulated and Kraken, Gemini, Coinbase, Nuri, Bitpanda, like Western exchanges that have to abide by Western laws. Mm. Um, you're still not 100% um, secure, but there's a, there's a huge difference between what they do and what, and what, uh, what a Binance or an FTX is doing. Right. And, and so now that we're talking about what, 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 what to do in this, in this time of inflation, because I mean, having money in the bank was never, never a great idea in the first place, but now it's, it's probably even worse. Uh, so David, are you, you buying any property? Is, is that what you do? Because like, what do Canadians do? Because a lot of people, you know, we talk about Bitcoin now, but it's still it's a strange concept for a lot of people. So what do people save themselves into now that I guess uh, real estate might also eventually become a, a problem? What do people do? Well, the, the tradition in Canada is to over leverage yourself on a house um, and it's been like that for a long time and then the rise of nimbyism prevents new development, new building. Like we had a politician openly say, how, how would we manage a scenario if homeowners took a 10 to 20% unrealized loss on the value of their home? That was his opposition to building more homes. <laughs> So there's really like, I mean, people just save and save um, and attempt to buy a house. Uh, right now, it's nearly impossible. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I have to say, maybe to interject just on this, to me, it seems almost a bit similar, like what some people have done with real estate on some of these altcoins. It's, it's not entirely different. Like some people have just speculated on housing prices. Oh. I mean, I'm from a place where that's absolutely true. I mean, in Luxembourg, you know, the yeah. zoning laws prevent you from building anything large mm -hmm. and the voters vote for political parties that keep the prices high. The, the, because there's, there's a now this emerging group of, of uh, real estate investors who are landlords who are on variable rate mortgages who can't increase rent to cover their mortgage payments now. And so they're <laughs> lobbying the government. And ironically, the, the mayor of Toronto was asked about this, John Tory, and he just pulled up the board game Monopoly. And he goes, what does this game teach you? It teaches you some good lessons. And yeah. If you're too greedy and you overleverage it yourself, does. sometimes you go broke. And yeah. that's just maybe some people need to learn. Um, Apparently. And, and, yeah. and I think that that correction is good. Um, if you have, I mean, we would put some downward pressure on prices because every month those homes sit on the market trying to sell. Um, the owner of the home is just eating mm -hmm. the mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. so. or, or, or you can just do what the Americans do, build a house that does fly away at the slightest wind, but at least it's cheaper to build that way. Uh, <laughs> Liz, any, any input? <laughs> yeah, I talk a lot about housing prices. I um, bought a home earlier this year and we were just amazed at you know the, the price difference between I, I bought a home in, in Michigan, not too far from David is in Canada. Yeah, just to give the listeners a perspective, like how far would that be? Like, like uh, 400 kilometers? Yeah. Right. That's, that's quite close. Yeah. yeah. Pretty close. But the difference in prices is insane. I mean, what David would pay, I would pay maybe 10% of that for a home in the U.S., yeah. depending on where you are. 
So it is really fascinating. I'm telling David, he doesn't need to pay, you know, one point six million for a home. He could buy one in Detroit for like five thousand. Yeah, but then you're in Detroit, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's. We also are having uh, some housing issues in the U.S., mostly due to zoning, and then also people are over leveraging themselves as mm. well. It's a classic American trait, um, and we've also seen hikes in the uh, the rates, the interest rates on mortgages. Um, we do have the option to do fixed mortgage rates, but I think a lot of people just aren't particularly literate in what all of this means. Mm. And so when you when they pose a flexible rate, when they pose it to you for your mortgage, it's often, well, it could go down, mm. but yeah. <laughs> it's more likely going to go up. And so and it's limiting is, purchasing power quite it, a bit. Who is listening to that at, at one at a, a 1.6%? mortgage rate and them saying it could go down and going oh yeah you, maybe it could go down a little bit. Like, <laughs> if you i mean in the u.s you can get a 30-year mortgage for the term of the the um the borrowing and you can have it fixed at below the historical average like you can get yeah. a three percent rate mm. fixed for 30 years which is like two and a half percent lower than the 15 year average. You can also do this thing where you can buy points on your interest rate and like up front. If you spend more money up front on uh, like your mortgage application and whatnot, they will reduce your interest rate. And so if you do it fixed, that's what I did. So we got ours like locked in at a decently mm. low rate before they hiked up to like six, seven percent. I've experienced this now in Luxembourg where it's actually some people not reading the terms and to, to the extent where I don't even exactly know um, how legal it is that some Luxembourgish banks are now saying, oh yeah, but there's a there was, there was a limit on how long this is going to be fixed for. So, like, depending on how how large the change is, we we, we might adapt it. Uh, Zoltan, you a homeowner? I am actually. Yeah. Well, like, you have a lot of children, right? I have so a lot this of is going to affect the entire family, right? He has an yeah. army of children. I have how, how many children do you have? Five altogether. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's commitment. That's, that a is commitment. that's a hockey team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a commitment called mortgage. Yeah, but still, but. Talking about savings and how Hungarians save, it's, it's really difficult in a society where most of the people depend on handouts, mm-hmm. government handouts. Most people, I'm talking about the average Hungarian, the average Hungarian doesn't have money to decide. And that's a big problem right now. And you know, this is where politics comes in and politicians are very innovative. So in Hungary right now, they come up with uh, slogans like war inflation, sanctions inflation. Mm-hmm. So the inflation is because of the war. The inflation is because of the sanctions. It sounds like we're it's, talking to Justin Trudeau. It's, it's, <laughs> well, and, 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 and people buy it. And when, you know, when you talk about propaganda and how people believe it, in, in, in Hungary the majority of the population now believes that the empty shelves are because of the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. because of the sanctions by Brussels. So basically what we see now is that the average Hungarian blames somebody else for their for the government's incompetence basically because actually the inflation and the price caps started earlier than the war uh, started but you know people forget even on a short term right I have a, I have a question when you said the fall of, of the euro or the dollar what does the end of fiat look like because that to me just sounds like especially in the context of what Zoltan was describing where you create like a class of dependency what happens when, when or if fiat fails? Well, I think the most interesting or the most be- the best perspective for this is it's not an event; it's a process, mm-hmm. and we are in the middle of the process. And this is a this is a 
decade. I mean, it, it depends really on your perspective. You can say it all started on August 15, 70, uh, 1971, right? When, 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 and I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to argue for the gold standard here, but the gold standard did give some sort of, of um, checks and balances uh, to the system, and we don't have this anymore, right? Um, so to the, lit, literally, I mean, to this extent, even the MMTers, like the modern monetary theorists, are right that the only checks on the systems is inflation. And their argument is, well, then if the inflation hits, we'll just hike the, the taxes to take out money and then people can't afford stuff anymore and the inflation goes down. Well, how is that going, right? Because no, you know it's going to hike taxes right now, right? Um, so that's the, you can never do this in a democracy, right? So, so basically... The socialists that they are, they just think about dictators um, when when they think about their their um, um, monetary regimes. But um, so the end of fiat, it's just an inflationary collapse. It's basically what we see right now, and it's not something that that only goes into the into the the money. It's, it doesn't only show in, up in the money. It shows up in, in in everyday life. It shows up in in art and in behavior. You know, low, high time preference behavior. People buying twenty pairs of shoes every year instead of like one or two, and because because they don't even have to look at the quality anymore. You you're gonna buy a new one, right? And then of course you have the very interesting phenomenon of technology and, and innovation and the microchip. So so this is actually working against the inflation, right? This is making our life so we, we cannot nobody can afford a house, but we can afford a whole broadcasting studio, right? Mm -hmm. um, that would have cost us billions to, to build up uh, like a couple of years ago. Now now we just do it with two laptops and a couple of microphones, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that is so so there is some like there there is some deflation going on too as well. Um, and you see this in Bitcoin, which is basically like the, the, the monetary expression of this technological deflation. Um, and then and, and, and that's what you would see. So something we would see is that many people who don't know what to do with the, to do with the money anymore, they would go out and spend it. Right now, everybody is confused why Austrians are spending so much money on Christmas gifts. Well, I can tell you why. Because they have the money and they don't even know if it's going to be worth anything next year. So they just spend it now, right? Um, then, then um, you have you have uh, um, you have uh, crypto shit coins. I mean, even if you even if you consider like some of the altcoins legitimate, even like even the the biggest altcoin fans knows that like Dogecoin, <laughs> Shiba Inu is a shit coin, right? <laughs> Uh, and then you have you have things like meme stocks and and other stuff where where you have speculation. So this is something that you would see, and and what we don't know is um, how long is this going to go on. For example, what Russell Napier is talking about, he's talking about a period of fifteen to twenty years of higher inflation, higher um, um, government overreach within the economy. Um, less and less importance of the central banks, more and more importance of the of the of the politicians in Europe. Especially, you can see this in Europe. Actually, when you look in Europe, Hungary is not far away from here. It's an hour with the car, right? They have their own their own um, rules. Why are they not working? Because we can just cross the border and 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 and, and sell the petrol there, right? Or, or like, so so um, everybody's trying something on the national level. While the, 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 the European level is basically just busy, you know, building up some, some, some Orwellian surveillance state and being um, super corrupt. Um, and that's not going to help them. And, and uh, so, so that, back to Napier's point. So Napier's point is that we actually will see a period of high inflation, high government overreach. So there's lots of stuff to talk about for you guys in the next 20 years. Um, 
which will lead to actually, you know, deglobalization. We have already started that, which will lead to um, reindustrialization of the West, which will lead to actually an, an, a boom in investments and in in real capital investments in the, in, in the West, you know, um, which will lead to um, bet, a better life and better jobs for the young people, which is desperately needed in order to, to not keep, you know, keep the balance somehow. And high inflation will also, you know, eat away at the at the pensions for the old people, which is also desperately needed. Either that, or they just go go into retirement way way later. Um, and and this could go on. She says could go on for fifteen to twenty years, and then and it would lead to a boom, and then you know five to ten years of being super satisfied with the boom we just had. And then, of course, to, to the next crisis and real stagflation, because if the government um, um, is manipulating the, the, the market for so long, there will be lots of malinvestments. And then, and then he says, then comes the phase that we had in, um, in, the, in the 1980s, where people say enough is enough. We want, quote unquote, free markets. And then you get something like a Thatcher and the Reagan in power who, who get rid of the red tape and let's just, you know, let the crisis work and let the the, 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 the bad investments get get. You know. What year is this? I can, I can set my timer. So this should be this should be this should be a, something in between. Um, so I'm, I'm, my my math is not very good. So ten years would be would be uh, thirty two. So this would be something in between um, 30, 38, 39. Well, shit, yeah. No, it yeah. all no, it all no. lines up. <laughs> no, no. It doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Um, right. Well, I, actually, I, this, this is all a bit of a depressing note, I would say. So I wanted to lift up the spirits of the listeners by giving a giving everyone's. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to mention an amount, but tell us uh, your worst investment, like your investment fail, where you oh, bought something this. because this is... you thought this was a great idea and you just got it wrong. Uh, Again, no amounts needed, yeah. but just let us, so we'll nothing, start with David. Nothing better than stock loss point. <laughs> uh, where you just shared the L's you took all year. Um, so during the meme stock craziness, I dabbled a little bit. Um, and I think the worst was that was that the GameStop thing? Yeah, yeah so okay. I never bought GameStop, but I bought BlackBerry. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> because <laughs> because some guy on Reddit, some guy on Reddit said it was going to the moon, um, <laughs> and I took a huge. Well, I mean, it wasn't a lot of money. I was just it, it was like what I would take to a casino, like right. money I'm comfortable losing. Um, but I'm gonna hold it until it goes to zero. <laughs> At least you can I'm show. Yeah, I mean, eventually, eventually it might become a piece of art, you know, that you can display somewhere. Uh, Liz, worst investment? Um, I don't know. I might get some flack for this, but my worst one personally was Litecoin. And the reason why is because <laughs> I bought at the peak. <laughs> then it just went down. So uh, uh, bad timing on sure my about end. Those. Sure about those. I know, I know. They can't steal all right, though. Worst investment, Zoltan? Well, uh, at one point, a couple of years ago, my eldest son uh, convinced me to buy, I don't even remember the name of a shit coin that he really believed in. So I said, okay, here's the money, do it. Uh, he did it and he lost it. Oh, well, there we go. I, um, my, mine, is, mine is quite embarrassing. It was actually at the beginning of last year. Um, uh, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. I thought <laughs> the cruises are, going, cruises are bouncing back. <laughs> Buying the dip, and uh, well, the dip is really in the Norwegian cruises, I can tell you, because uh, uh, it never, never, never came out of the dip, so <laughs> still somewhere in the ocean. Uh, Nico, I'm really curious about yours, your worst investment. Um, 
There have been many. There have been many, especially, I mean, I've been involved in shit coins that went to zero. So I lost all my money. Um, and I'm not a saint, right? Uh, I'm especially, I'm, I talk about uh, uh, investment or what, how you want to call it all day long, but I'm a really, really bad investor um, because I never, I, I personally, um, I want to differentiate between saving and investing. And I think that the, the main problem, and this also ties back into what the, the, the Turkish people are doing, you know, I think it's very smart, you know, getting gold, especially because as a present, especially for the, for the wedding, you know, if you, if you, um, if you get the gold, you're not going to, you know, lose the gold, sell the gold immediately. It's going to be there. It's some form of capital. It doesn't matter if it, it, where the gold price goes. That's the thing. People always think it matters where the gold price goes. No, it doesn't. It only matters that there is something that you can use. And if you, and it, having something is always better than having nothing. So, so it, it's not important about like a, a theoretical comparison to some um, uh, as, uh, S&P 500 ETF. You know, if you would have invested in the market, you would have gotten more, more um, um, uh, 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 returns. returns. Thank you. Um, yes, theoretically, yes. But many people, me included, when they have their, their, the possibility to just trade on their smartphone, guess what? They fuck up. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> they fuck up, um, and it's and 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 this is why why it's working because people lose more money on average than and if you if you and that, that that's the beautiful thing about I would say gold you know you buy it you put it in a safe you forget about it and when it, you need it it's there you hopefully never need it right and you give it to your kids. Bitcoin in theory is the same thing when you take it you have a, a cold storage of the twenty four words in your head that's that, it's the same process and, and I can tell you. Nobody ever ever uh, panic sells the Bitcoin that's on a, on on a, on a uh, hardware wallet, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's very easy to panic sell. You know, you get up in the morning, you sit on the toilet with your FTX account, and things are moving, and you think you should react <laughs> right now. You know, um, and this is only without the 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 the, um, the exchange collapsing, mm. right? This is just your mistakes. So I personally. Um, I try to to maybe this is just a coping mechanism because I knew about Bitcoin so long I could have I, I could be super rich now but I'm not. But uh, my coping mechanism is working, saving. You know I I I like like I I had a guy on my podcast who, who is like a German. You know the Germans they do everything. If the Germans do something they do it thoroughly, right? So so he went like he he didn't buy Bitcoin no 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 he did a research on the whole like cultural uh, significance of saving throughout like the last six hundred years right um, and he basically and it's this is really true and and it's this is also interesting for 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 people in Canada and the US because uh, so there's a there's a huge difference between. The, the Catholic Germans and the, the Protestant Germans, mm. right? Um, and we are technically Catholic Germans. Of course, we're not calling ourselves Germans. We're Austrians, but we're Catholic. Um, so the, the Catholics are more like laid back, more relaxed, you know. It's more like, you know, it's more like guidelines than rules, you know. Um, um, and, and, and the Protestants are more like hard rules, hard work, hard life. That's all, that's all the... And, and he said basically that the idea was... If you make a lot of money, that you're blessed by God. So, so you were allowed to make a lot of money, but you were never allowed to actually do anything with the money. Because if you had time to spend the money, it was just signal that you're not working hard enough. You could spend that time working, Ouch. you know. 
Um, so these are the people. These are the people, like the Protestant Germans, that, that who really come up with this with this German work ethic. And and so this is my 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 thing. My wife always says that that because my 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 mother is Protestant. So she says she says that that the Protestant side of me is just not worried about where the where the price is going because I'm just gonna work more anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, so and I think that that's actually the. I mean, if you really want to go into it, um, I also did this, this this live stream on TikTok of all places. Oh, I was invited you, you to downloaded a live. some spyware on your phone. Uh, no, 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 no. It was not on my on my oh, phone. Okay. I, I was invited uh, in, into a TikTok studio, which is basically a television studio, but instead of te- uh, of, of cameras, there's like two iPhones staring at you, right? And and um, and they are like, they just want to know how to get rich, right? This is the thing. How do you get rich? Well, it turns out. I don't know because I'm not rich, so I don't have like the the, the 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 I don't know the way. But in theory, I think the only the only way, like the only surefire way to really make money and get rich, is to be an entrepreneur. To to come up with a company, come up with a product. You can do this today with content. I mean, that that's the funny thing. What what do the the young people want to be? They want to be YouTubers and Instagram influencers, content creators, right? yeah, you know, entertainers. Some of this is like so. My wife and I watch junk TV. We watch trash reality TV. And there was one. There was a woman on the show. She was probably twenty three. And they're like, oh, what do you do for work? And she says, well, I eat food on YouTube. <laughs> And I was like, well, you make a living eating people watching you eat food? I mean, why not? You know, if, if, there, if, there's, a, if there's a market demand. Man, yeah. yeah, I mean, so exactly. I'm, turning, I'm slowly turning into a boomer. Who's just... <laughs> <laughs> is that, that's what we know. But this is also interesting when you look at the high inflation environment, right? When you look in an, in an environment where, where technology um, really helps us to have less, less, um, less like low paying jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, then you know, more, people will have more time actually to watch TV. And people today have more time than our parents did because they had to work more. And, and our kids will probably have more time. So this is, all, this is only always going, almost going into the direction of Marxism here. But, <laughs> but um, so people will have more time, right? So, so what are they going to do? They're going to watch YouTube. They're going to watch, they're gonna get entertained, right? So, so that's why you see, see this boom. And me being, uh, I come from the media, I'm a journalist, right? So... And I hate the whole gatekeeper thing. It's, I think it's great that you get, I mean, I think Naval Ravikant calls it permissionless, permissionless leverage, right? You can go on YouTube and if you have a talent, if people like what they see, they will share it, they will click it, they will leave a comment, like and subscribe, you know, hit the bell. <laughs> and, and then, and then um, you can make a career out of this. And I think it's great. Um, and yes, there are people eating. There are people, I mean, there are people folding paper on YouTube because, because people love the, the sound of folding paper. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. There is. Um, yeah, my, my my favorite YouTube channel is a guy who brings a duck to supermarkets, and he has a he has a pet duck, and it's like. Gosh. Have you ever seen the kid who opens toys? Yeah, like, this is one of the biggest channels. He clears like seven yeah, years. Exactly. That's the, the entertainment, the, the attention and entertainment economy. But we're getting to the end uh, of the time that we have today. So, uh, as every year, uh, some Christmas uh, wishes. Uh, San- Santa's uh, is about to, uh, about to come, and uh, we want some policy uh, uh, Christmas uh, wishes. Uh, Zoltan, let's start with you. If you had a wish 
for Hungary as uh, like uh, Orban stroke or something like that? You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't do anything like that. I, I just want to be grateful of being here and actually been instructed by my wife to do the Christmas shopping here in Vienna, so to buy flour, <laughs> eggs, and potatoes so that the family can be happy for Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Liz, any Christmas wishes? What should Santa bring on, uh, to, the, to the U.S.? Any specifics? Uh, yeah, I'd love for him to, uh, you know, bring term limits. <laughs> term limits, okay, all right. So we can get these old ones out and get some new ones in, finally get some fresh ideas that work and can actually reduce the inflation that we're seeing. Sounds good. David, just, anything Trudeau-related? Uh, I, well, I would like to see Trudeau lose. Uh, <laughs> that would be a wish, but that's not going to happen. Well, when is the election again? Anytime between now and 2025. Oh, oh wow! Government, and they have a deal with the NDP, who are kind of what I call mm. the European socialists. But I think if I were to ask for one policy win, it would be alcohol reform in Ontario. Mm. So breaking up the uh, the government-sanctioned and protected beer monopoly, mm. um, and getting the government out of the business of selling alcohol, because we have government stores. All right, fair enough. All right, well, Nico, uh, your your Christmas wish, I, I I would guess Bitcoin to a million dollars so you don't have to do these tiny podcasts anymore. No, I, I, I don't. That's the thing. I mean, it sounds super weird when you know the price is down, but since I'm working in the in this job, I don't care about the price at all anymore. I, 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 it's, it's, the, I mean, the, with the whole Bitcoin thing, it really goes in phases and you can't help it, yeah? And, and my, my phase right now is I'm really getting... I always hated it, like seeing it only as an as an investment tool. It's not. It's a technology. The, the fact mm. that you can invest in it is, makes it interesting and makes it work in a way. But it's not the main thing here. And and I and, and the longer I'm in the space, the, the 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 longer I see that people who really go into it as with an investment mindset don't they don't see it. They don't see the forest for the trees. They 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 miss the point. They they just because in, in Bitcoin, if you if you really buy Bitcoin in order to get to get out into the euro or the dollar at some point, you might as well not get into it at all, you know. Um, um, and my Christmas wish is 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 not actually it's not about Bitcoin, but it's it's actually more like I think that we we need more people to realize that we have in Europe we have huge problems. I think that we. I think Hungarians see what's going on in Hungary. Austrians see what's going on in, in Austria. But what's going on in Brussels is really um, disconcerting to me uh, in many regards. And I think that that um, I, I don't see any like like public discourse about this at all, which is which is strange because even the people who are super pro-European Union, um, they always said, "No, we need to talk about Europe more," you know. And now that they are trying to 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 get rid of cash and trying to uh, read all our chats, uh, nobody wants to talk about Europe anymore, you know. And and I mean, it, it's gonna fail, but and it needs a couple of people to actually stand up and say, no, "We're not gonna do this." So yeah, that would be my wish for next year to be more uh, conscious about this. Wake up sheeple, essentially, is the, is the message. Uh, well, thank, thanks to everyone who, uh, who joined us today. We had Nico Yilch as a, a special guest, David Clement, Elizabeth Hicks, and Zoltan Case. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Bill Words. I'll see you in the next year. Eventually, we'll start again. I'll, I'll, it depends on uh, how, how drunk I get on New Year's Eve. Uh, in any case, thank you so much for listening for the entire year, and uh, hopefully you'll like and subscribe and, uh, and join us again. Uh, so don't just watch the paper folding. People also listen to this podcast. All right, see you. You have to learn to